Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message that we hope encourages you. Cool stuff already today, huh? Isn't that exciting? Oh, I know some very excited people in here because they've been prayer warriors for this person for a long time. So it's very cool. <sighs> Sticky again. I'm not complaining, though. You don't have to shovel sticky. (laughs) I'm fine with that. I can deal with the heat. No one has ever sweated to death, but many people have frozen to death. So that's that's my rationalization in my mind. Anyway. All right. So imagine somebody's driving in a taxi, going through town, and suddenly he has a question about how long it's going to take and maybe like where he needs to go to get to where he's going. So he leans forward and taps the taxi driver on the shoulder. And all of a sudden, the taxi goes out of control, and he's over the curb, and the guy's screaming like crazy, and the guy in back is going, what has happened? And all I've done is tap him on the shoulder. And all of a sudden, the taxi comes to a rest. And it's quiet. And the taxi driver says, why did you do that? He says, I just had a question. I I didn't think it was a big deal to just tap you on the shoulder. He says, well, it's kind of not your fault, 100%, but I have been driving a funeral van for the last 25 years, and that's never happened to me before. (laughs) I know it's an old joke, but the picture is wonderful in your mind. And that's what we have today, kind of as we look at this whole idea of an insightful faith, right? I want to engage your mind, engage it with the Word of God, engage in a way that helps you connect with it, not in a way where you're just listening to information, listening to a very familiar account, but I want you to engage with it in a way where you say, okay, where am I before the Lord? Because insightful faith, we're going to be looking at Mary today, And it's going to be kind of a different flow of sermon because I want to read through all the text initially. I want you to really get a flavor for kind of how this went down. And then we're going to go back and look at it kind of in a little bit different way. Kind of from a perspective of what was going going on in her mind. What was her perspective on things. Um, But I want you to personalize this this morning. See, it's really easy to kind of de-identify and go, okay, yeah, that was Mary, and that happened to Mary, and it was Mary. But God wants to connect with you today. So, so be prepared to hear from the Holy Spirit. Be prepared for the Word of God to kind of challenge you, make you uncomfortable, kind of stir things up a bit, because that's kind of what God likes to do. Because He does not want you to just get comfortable. He wants you to live a vibrant and exciting Christian life. Uh, I didn't have an opportunity to put the page number on there, uh, but if you want to follow along with the Bibles that are in the chairs there, it's page 1177. We're in Luke 1. Uh, Like I said, we're going to kind of read through the the account first, and then we're going to go back and um, do a little dissecting. All right, starting in Luke 1. 
verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Pray with me. Father, we ask this morning that as we look at a very familiar account of your interaction with us, that we will not just gloss over the, the important details here. That we will see Mary's involvement, her pondering. Lord, that we would ask, speak to us this morning, that we would be free of distraction, that the cares of the week would be put out of our heads so that we can focus on meeting here with you this morning and not allowing anything to enable that. We thank you, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. 
Now, when I think of faith, I immediately think Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's cool. In this account, it's God speaking directly to someone through an angel. But God speaks to us all the time right here. We have, we've got to trust that. I think sometimes we look at this book and we think, okay, it's just a bunch of information that God wants us to know. And it's not. Um, and I think the struggle we have is treating this academically. That it's just about learning information, about knowing details, about being able to kind of put things together in a way. But have you ever come to the, the Word of God and allowed it to speak to you? I mean, think about it. God knew you would pick this book up at one point, and he wanted to communicate to you specifically for you to have your heart touched and moved and changed, to have your thinking transformed in such a way that you live differently. And I think sometimes if, if we just read it for information, if we just try to get our answers out of it, we miss so much of the deep and vibrant relationship we can have with God. So this morning, hopefully, we can, we can look at this a little bit differently. We can trust God to work. But one question, I, I hope it doesn't derail us. I, really, I, I, sh I went back and forth where, should I ask this question? Do I not? Because I don't want you to be distracted by it the whole sermon. But I'm going to ask it. What do you think it takes to find favor with God? Because that's, that's what happened to, to Mary. And, and we don't have a lot of precursor stuff. We don't have a lot of, oh, she was doing this and she was doing that. And it was all about performance. Because I don't think it was about just the outward for her. But I think the outward probably revealed some things. Right? Because out of the heart, right? That's how we speak. That's how we live. That's who we are. And so I think, you know, God's always looking at hearts. And we have to really come to grips with, wow, what was going on in Mary's heart? Uh, we're going to see a couple of times here where it talks about she pondered these things in her heart. She kept these things in her heart. And I, I guess we could ask ourselves today, how's our heart? Because, you know, I can see every week, every day, the world is trying to attack our heart to believe its truth, to trust its logic, to walk down its path. And, and what happens is, is when we do that, we are faced towards the world and we're faced away from the Lord because the world is so against the Lord. And if you don't know that, pick up any newspaper, read any headline. <laughs> the world is against the Lord. So we have got to be constantly reminding ourselves to turn to him, to turn to him, to face him and not let the world totally derail us. I see faith as um, a muscle, right? God gives us faith, and I think the more we exercise faith, the stronger it gets, the more enduring it gets, and also the more trusting it gets. Because it's like, well, we can get to that place where God can do anything. And you're like, well, of course we know that. Yeah, we do. We do know that. But do we live that? Do we live like God can do anything? Do we trust him and take steps and make decisions based on he can do anything? 
Or is it more, I hope he does. Or, ooh, he might do. Or, God, please do. It's, there's a fine line between just kind of, you know, going out there on a limb and trusting God in faith. Because it's like, usually when we go in faith, it's God-led, God-directed, and usually the door's open. Usually, not always. But we're going to look at a few things this morning. Uh, things that probably are going to sound like, oh, he's talking about this again. <laughs> but that's okay, right? We need to be reminded. Right? That was, it's one thing I always see as I read when I hear Christ talking. Have you not read? Have you not known? Have you not read? Have you not known? He was always reminding because I think we forget easy. Uh, so hopefully this will be a great reminder to you and it won't sound redundant from me. Um, but we're going to look first at, you know, Mary's belief. What was her worldview? What was her approach to things? And I, hopefully you will kind of you know, hold that mirror up and say, okay, how do I interpret things? Um, true biblical faith is choosing to believe and act upon what is true because God said it is true because he is truth. See, it was interesting to me. I, my father, great man, wonderful supporter in my life uh, as far as making sure I had a roof over my head, clothes on my body, and uh, food on the table. But as far as presence, he was never there. Um, and so it was always a, a struggle to really know what does being a father look like. Uh, so when I finally you know, became a father, this book became my blueprint. I, I didn't have anything. So it's like, I had, okay, what does, what does God say about being a father? What does he say about raising children? What does he say? And this became so important to me. And um, God has been so faithful to lead, to direct, to guide. Um, I haven't always done it right. Ask my kids. I've had to ask for forgiveness too many times. But it's all here. And, and we have to trust it. And that was the thing is I trusted that more than anything I'd ever seen, anything I'd ever known, because my view of who God was and what he had to say about things took preeminence. Because one thing I learned early on is the world's logic sounds great. It makes sense. But as opposed to that book, it does not line up with that book. And we've got to make that stand. And not in a rude and arrogant way, but in a way where we choose in our day-to-day -day living, we choose in our moment-by-moment -moment situations to trust what the Word of God says, to believe it in such a way where it's acted out in our life. We're making decisions because of it, and there's no other way to go back. We've got to do that. And I believe that's what Mary was doing when God looked down at her. So what is your belief about God? Is he omnipotent? Is he omniscient? Does he know all, be all? Is he? Again, <laughs> this morning I apologize. It's literally going to be like trying to get a drink of water from a fire hydrant because I am just... And trust me, I have reeled back the amount of scripture I wanted to use because this book is filled with all the things of God in it. So I've, I've taken two verses for each of these points. Um, hopefully you won't be overwhelmed, but hopefully it challenges your mind in such a way 
that you leave here not only encouraged and inspired, but challenged. So what's your belief about God? Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. What? No big bang? No. See, either we're going to trust this, <laughs> and yeah, he could have used that, and there's a whole bunch of stuff we can go down the road with. <laughs> but he's the beginning. That's, that's the thing here. He's the beginning. It's, it's not other things. Do you believe that? Do you? Do you give God that kind of power, that kind of preeminence, that kind of existence that he always was, always is, always will be, and it's all connected to him? Or are these some other things? Again, I'm not trying to win you over to anything. I just want you to think about it. Are you aligning to this book? Or is it kind of this mosaic hodgepodge of things that kind of make up your Christian walk? I don't think that was Mary's. I think she was crystal clear and focused on who God was and what he did and what he was doing. I mean, think about it. For six months, she knew about her cousin who was barren. And now she has a baby. Miracle. Because it wasn't just like she was a young woman. She was an older woman, too. So, I mean, there were, there were a lot of things against her for this to happen. But what do we read? With God, all things are possible. Cool stuff. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What? God's not a big meanie? He's not up there with a two-by-four going, oh, who can I hurt? Who, whose life can I ruin today? No. See, that's what the world wants. Oh, what kind of a God would... Blah, 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 blah. We're not looking at God the right way, are we? Because when we look at God and what he wants, he wants to bring salvation. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring help. He wants to bring things that are only good for us. Do you trust that? Are you trusting him there? That that's who he is? I, it's funny, I hear people all the time say, oh yeah, God did this to me. You know, it's always something bad. It's, oh, God did this to me, I won the lottery. No, it's never that. It's I, God did this to me in some horrible thing. That's not who he is. That's not his character. And, and we've got to align to those things. And I believe that Mary was aligning her life to those things and how he worked. And you know what? Some of those things are hard. It's like I do a lot of counseling. And it's like the, the, that phrase I hear so often, but it's so hard. Uh-huh. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's hard for me too. It's hard for me. There are certain things in my life that I struggle with. You know, it's every time I buy a car, I struggle because it's like the car I want and the car I buy are two different cars all the time. <laughs> but either I trust God and say, okay, I'm going to live within my means, or I don't and say, I'm going to get what I want and I don't care. <laughs> he allows that, though. To me, God is so faithful. He's so long-suffering. He's so loving. Because he allows us to go, and he, goes, he just waits. He just waits. It's like, all right, this will be over eventually. 
Luke 1.7, for nothing will be impossible with God. And it's like, you can say what you want, but we have a testimony in the second pew. that I know people prayed for years to have what happened this morning happen. Because it's, nothing is impossible with God. It's just not on our timetable. And that's what we struggle with. Why is the microwave not fast enough to heat food? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. What do you believe about yourself? Psalm 89.1. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. You know, we just had an opportunity to lift his name up high. To praise his name. To let our hearts rejoice in who he is and how he works. And if you're not making a joyful noise, you're missing out. I remember being the person sitting in a pew going, oh, if I start singing like I want to, the person beside me is going to leave. Well, that's their problem. Let them leave. Let God get in your heart and let it overflow to the point where you are just coming here to sing with your brothers and sisters in Christ and praising his name with gusto. Because if you can let go and let God work in your life, it will change you. It will change you. And sometimes we sit there white-knuckled, struggling, holding on to the chair in front of us, and just getting through the music. I was there. Because I, I, I was worried about me. Oh, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about my voice? So what? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 119.77 Thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for your law is my delight. And that's a struggle. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that God says, eh, you probably should be doing this. And you probably should be doing this. And you probably should be doing this. And guess what? You probably shouldn't be doing that. And you probably shouldn't be doing that. And you should take these things out of your life. And we struggle with those things, because they're hard. But they're what's best for us. And see, that's what we've got to believe. That's where it's like believing about who God is and how he works and what he asks of us. We've got to trust that the hard things are good for us, that the hard things are meant for us, that the hard things will move us forward for the Lord. And sometimes we restrict God's working in our lives because we just don't trust that. We don't walk in faith. We don't think about all that God has done. And that's the insightful faith that Mary had. She pondered those things in her heart. She kept them and mulled them over. She meditated upon them. She allowed those things to change her thinking to like, I don't see how this can happen, but God always is truthful. I don't know how this will work, but God has always accomplished things. I don't know, but God will. The kind of Walt's thing about keeping the right thing on the right side of the butt, right? 
If you don't know what that is, talk to him later. <laughs> what is your belief about your relationship? It says our relationship, but your relationship, our relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. He is working. He is always working to diligently move you toward what he has for you. I mean, if you're a parent here today, you know what this is about. You know, it's like, oh, I, I, you know, I want my kids to do this, and I wish they would move in this direction, and wow, they have this skill set, and this would be amazing, and if they would just do this, and if they would just trust what I say to them, and they would walk towards this, it would be incredible. But they often don't do that, do they? <laughs> Our children, right? How dare they? We brought them into this world. <laughs> but God is faithful, and that's the example we have. To, to let God use the things in their life to bring them. And they have to choose to live for the Lord. They have to choose to make decisions that are going to draw them closer to God, just as we do. And we can want and want and hope and hope and try to provide as they move along. And I think God does the same thing with us. If we would listen, if we would align, can you imagine what your life could be, how different it might be, if you just let God invest in you? That's the thing, we don't trust him a lot of times. We think, oh, you know, he, this is a hard thing, or this is something that oh, I really don't want to do, and why would God make me do that? He doesn't. He wants you to understand his love for you that much that you would say, wow, this is hard, and he's asked me to do this, and it's for my best, and it'll probably be a really good thing for me at some point, and I gotta trust him. But sometimes we don't trust. We don't walk by faith. You know, our, our, our eyes betray us. Our eyes betray us a lot, because we can't see it. I don't understand it. I, there's no way that could work. That's the world's logic. There's no way that could work. We have an all-powerful, almighty God. He, all things are possible through him. He can make it all happen. He can make weird things happen. He can create a room in a day that just wasn't there yesterday. It happened for me. I've told you the story. He's provided things, miraculous things. He can do that for you, too. It's not just trapped in this book. It can only happen in here. It can't happen in your world. It can't happen now. That's a lie. I, I believe there are still Pauls and Timothys and James and Ezekiels that are, are, can be today. I believe that. If people would yield to the Lord. There can be Ruths and Naomis and Marys if they're aligning their life to the Scripture. If they're, if they're opening their heart to the possibility of what God can do. All right. Well, we're cranking through time. Oof. This building, there's a time vacuum in it. I figured it out. It happens all week to me, and it happens on Sunday morning, too. <laughs> Couple of thoughts before we press on. We see Mary defaulting to what God says about the circumstances that are coming, even though she cannot see how they're going to happen. But she defaults that God knows best. Uh, the more you learn how loving, powerful, and protective God is, the more you'll be likely to trust him, and the stronger your relationship will be. And this is, again, it's, it's 
Repetition, that's trusting God, trusting God, trusting God, trusting God, and you can trust him with more and more and more and more, and it just becomes this amazing culmination of God, God's miraculous work in your life. And I say that with humility because it's like if you walk in obedience, he blesses you. And it's not always perfect. It's not always easy. It's not always the way you think it'll be. Trust me. But it's good. So what do you believe about God? What do you believe about yourself as it relates to living for the Lord? What do you believe about your relationship with him? Because what you believe about it is going to frame how you live. It's going to frame the decisions you make. It's going to frame what you don't do for God. Are you completely yielded? Are you surrendered to him in a way where oof, he finds favor in your life? All right, next, identity. I believe Mary's identity was so crystal clear. For her, I think for us, it kind of evolves a little bit. But how about you? How's your identity vertically? 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And that's where we struggle. We struggle. We struggle with the world liking us. Why? Why do we do that? But do you feel like a son, like a daughter of God? Is that kind of how you carry yourself on a regular basis, that I'm a representative of my family. That's who you are if you're walking in Christ. If you're a Christ follower today, that's who you are. That's the role you're given from him. How's your identity horizontally? 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. How's your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are they where they should be? Is there love amidst there? Or is there turmoil? It's funny. Um, <laughs> the Lord just kind of gave this to me. It was really weird. My grandmother on my dad's side, Swedish woman, she was very strong and uh, very precise. <laughs> and... Um, she got into a fight with her sister over um, plot boxes, cemetery boxes for Memorial Day. She got in a fight over her sister about those because she always made them. And one year, her sister wanted to make them. In fact, she made them and put them on there. And when my grandmother went out there to see them on there, had a fit and didn't talk to her sister for 12 years. What? <laughs> Over flowers in logs on a grave? That's insane. And we say that's insane, but sometimes we live that way. We have relationships that get fragmented, they get broken, they get fractured, and we don't engage them. We don't try to repair them. And, and that's all God asks is, do your part. Because at least you have a clear conscience that you've done your part. If somebody else chooses to live away or whatever, that's on them. But do your part to try to bring restoration, to try to live with brotherly love toward all people. All right, I've got to move on before I wax way too eloquent. 
And here's the, here's the one we struggle with a lot, and that's inwardly. How's your relationship with you? I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word, Psalm 119, 101. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. And see, there's a, there's a break there or a change there. You know, God sees us as his children. God treats us as his children. And then we choose to do what Psalm 119, 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. And that's a choice we have to make. Are we just going to remain one of God's children and let him provide everything? Or are we going to get involved with his plan and become his servant and serve him while we're here? Because your relationship will be transformed when you serve him. And it's a mindset. It's, it's a thought process you've got to shift in. And when you do that, your identity changes. Because guess what? Then God allows himself to flow through you because you've opened that door to serve in such a way that the spirit is seen, Christ is seen, and people see that. And guess what? This world needs to see that. They need to see Christ in action. And you've got to lift that barrier and allow him to use you and speak through you and live through you. And that becomes when you choose to allow, well, to be his servant. Let me keep it there. All right, yikes. A couple things. Uh, Luke 138 shows us that Mary saw herself as the Lord's servant. She says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. So she was already there. And I think, don't forget about this, she's a young teenager at this point. She's already there in her relationship with God. Uh, living out our identity in Christ is not accomplished passively. We must actively and intentionally choose to submit to God and resist the enemy, knowing he will flee as God said he would. That's the thing, we get nervous. But guess what? You trust God and you start walking in his truth, stuff happens. All right, so a quick identity check before we press on. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you have a relationship with God? Where's it really at? Be real about that. Yeah, you can know God. Yeah, you can believe he's real. But do you have a relationship? Completely different. Steve can tell, tell you about it. He knows all about it. Really cool. Do you treat others with brotherly love? And does your life reflect God's word? We're going to have to really cruise through behavior, which is our, our third point. So we've looked at belief. We've looked at identity. Now we're going to look at behavior. And we've seen Mary, right? She's, wow, question stuff, but she's like open. She doesn't understand it, but she's trusting. She's called herself a servant. She's willing. And so now we look at the behavior. How you worship. John 4, 23 and 24, it says, But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship is so much more than singing. Some people get locked into that. Uh, my wife does a great job of making all things she does worship to the Lord. 
Um, and I think it, it, it kind of dovetails with being a servant. Because it's like if you are God's servant, everything you do becomes about doing it for him, because of him, in light of him, to show him, to reveal him. And, and it's a different way to live. And we've got to do that. If you're calling yourself a Christ follower, we've got to do that because the world is growing in its ignorance of who God is and what it looks like to be a believer. And we need to make that choice to be his servant, to do those things, to worship him in such a way that it has depth and breadth and meaning. If you don't come into this building or if you don't have that prayer closet at home and feel God's presence challenging you and moving you and changing you, you need to spend more time with God. This book, God's word, his spirit transforms. We should be changing all the time. We should be growing all the time. We are never going to arrive. We just aren't. That's not the design. God is the only one who has the omnipotence here. And so he's going to continue to grow us and grow us and grow us. So we should always be learning, always be growing, always be changing. That's part of how we need to be living. And that's part of what worship can do for us. It's acknowledging who he is and praising who he is and magnifying who he is in our life by everything we do. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you are offering a gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's how important God sees worship. That if you have something, some kind of conflict with someone, he would rather see you reconciled than spend time there because it's all connected. It's funny, I just had a weird epiphany. It's like, Walt and I were always talking about, you know, men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. Men, you know, compartmentalized boxes, women, spaghetti, it's all mixed. It's like that for God, isn't it? It's all connected for him. It all matters. It all makes a difference. It all has meaning. There's just not some stuff does and some stuff doesn't. Everything does if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ. How you worship. Secondly, how you think. Zechariah 7.10 And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, nor the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. And, you know, some people think it's okay to look at the unsaved and treat them poorly or think of them poorly or downgrade them. But we're all made in the image of God. And God wants us to treat all people with dignity, all people with his image. And to be a, a catalyst for help. And how I think and what you think about people and what you think about things makes a difference. And secondly, even more importantly, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Living sacrifice. And again, I, I, I think I see that role of a servant. Have you made that choice to, to be a servant of God? To live in such a way? I mean, Paul says a bond servant. He chose to serve God everywhere, every way. 
Thirdly, how you live. Joshua 24, 15b, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, it's a choice. It just doesn't happen because we come to church. <laughs> it just, wouldn't it be nice? It would be great. I think it would be great if we could just show up to church and our life would just magically align itself. But it doesn't. We've got to make these choices. We've got to implement these things in our lives. We've got to weigh these things. Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And again, it's, it's trusting God's word and aligning to it. How we live makes a difference. In the beginning, we see Mary in Luke 2.19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And as she pondered those things, it enabled her and allowed her to see those things that God was doing, to be a part of those things, and to move towards those things. Very insightful. Years later, we see Mary again, Luke 2.51b, and his mother, Mary, treasured up all these things in her heart. Mary was insightful and meditative, and her pondering strengthened her faith. She surrendered and obeyed by faith, and it gave her greater insight. Because as we see God working, and as we trust him in those things, it just opens our hands more and says, okay, God, I trust you. I don't see it. I don't understand it. But you said it. The biblical response to truth is faith. And the truth is, what God says, regardless of what we feel, catch this, <laughs> is true. You must align your life to God's truth. And I'm going to say that again. The biblical response to truth is faith. And the truth is what God says, regardless of what we feel is true. You must align your life to God's truth. Deuteronomy 11.16 says this, Take care lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Our feelings can betray us. Our feelings can mislead us. Our feelings can lie. We can think. You know, I, I've talked to men who think, you know, this other woman and this other relationship is going to really meet my needs. Not true. It only brings destruction and turmoil to a family and a life. Oh, but I really think this is true. Well, that's, that's a lie. God says it's a lie. <laughs> he proves it's a lie. So evaluate your behavior. Are you worshiping God in spirit and truth? Do you think of yourself as a living sacrifice to God? Are you living in a way that would bring God's favor? Mary was as a teenager. So to me, it's like, it's attainable. And again, I don't want you to hear, oh, this is about performance-based religion. It's not about that. Because it's, this is about having a relationship with God that is so vibrant and so strong that you yield, that you submit, that you are, are ready to do and live however God says you should. Because it's aligning to his truth. Not about just doing stuff, but aligning to his truth and living it out in a way that people can see it. And in a way that you can see it too, and feel it and experience it. So I leave you with this again, which is the same verse in Deuteronomy 11.16. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And if you don't think you're at risk, that's a lie. Because I know even me, even now, today, if, if I don't trust what God says, I can, if I don't take care, I can be deceived. I can let my heart run if I want to, but I've got to continually compare it to the mirror of God's word. I hope you're doing 
the same. Pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the example of Mary and how it shows us to have so much more depth to our relationship with you, to allow you to work so much more in our lives when we align ourselves, align our living, align our choices and our decisions to your truth, to your word, to your will. I pray, Father, that uh, we would be transformed by the renewing of your word this morning, that it would, each one of us would be changed in our thinking in some way that draws us closer to you, that aligns us more with your truth, and that will bring you praise, honor, and glory sometime, some way this week. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for your incredible love and patience and care. And we trust you to carry us through this week to the next. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.